So, most of you would know that for us, we are here, rain or shine, snow, ice, heat, whatever, um, that's our thing. Uh, but we're actually going to um, change that up. Um, next Sunday, we won't be here. Uh, it's been in our, our weekly email newsletter that we sent out. I want to give you the details as well. Um, next Sunday, we're going to join with several other churches, friends of ours, uh, downtown at the Gallery Church for Pentecost Sunday. There's going to be several languages spoken uh, in the service. It's going to be a great all-family uh, service. So there, we won't be here. We'll be there. Um, it's at 10 a.m. this coming Sunday down at the gallery. The details um, are in the, the newsletter. You can also find those details. They get posted on the web page um, as well if you go to cityharborchurch.com. And also uh, yesterday we emailed out the summer life group schedule. Uh, we're doing something a little bit unique uh, this summer, and that starts this week. It's a lot of folks traveling um, in June and obviously uh, today as well. And so make sure that you are aware of that. It's such a great way for us to connect with each other, for us to build relationships with each other, for us to grow stronger in faith together. So if you're not participating already, please, please participate uh, in a small group. We have them on Zoom and we have them in person. We'll be doing some um, outdoor stuff as well. So make sure that you are taking part in that. Sound good? All right. So... A no-way moment in life is a moment that stops you in your tracks. It stops you in your tracks. You're facing something that looks impossible. Something that you don't see a way around, over, or through. You're facing something that is impossible. And our God is a God who is over what is impossible to us. Uh, recently, we had our friend uh, Jay Baylor with us here praying for uh, healing miracles on a Sunday. And this past week, uh, Jay was in the city and he uh, was interacting with a guy who had been shot three times um, across his front and uh, was uh, carrying a, a colostomy bag because of these bullet wounds, bullets that were still in him. And Jay said, you know, hey, you want, you want prayer? You want prayer? You, would you like a healing miracle? And he, he laid his hands on this guy's belly and he began to pray for him. And then he stopped and he said, how does that feel? He said, my, my pain has gone away. So let me pray some more. He prayed some more, asking God to do a miracle in this man's body. He stopped and he said, what are you feeling now? He said, I, I feel heat that's been coming over me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. He said, okay, let me pray some more. He started praying some more. And he said, okay, what do you feel now? He said, I feel like it never happened. I feel like it never happened. He said, okay, go back to your doctor and get some fresh scans and we'll see what they do. <laughs> Our God is a God of the impossible. Our God is a God of the no way. No way. That happened? That happened. Our God is a God of the no way. The miraculous. That which is, not, which is beyond our reach. A violation of the laws of nature. That is what our God is like. Have you ever faced something like this? Have you ever known somebody who has faced something like this? If you haven't, you will. If you don't know somebody, you will. 
start to ask questions and listen. We need to be prepared, ready, spiritually prepared for those no way moments. The last couple of weeks we've looked at these questions. Can God do the impossible? That's right. Can we ask God to do the impossible? Yes. Today I want to look at this question, how? How do we ask God to do the impossible? I'm not always a fast learner, and so sometimes it helps me to learn from other people. Sometimes I learn quicker that way. Anyone ever describe yourself that way? Yeah, sometimes it helps to learn from other people. So how do we ask God to do the impossible? Well, first of all, as God's children. As God's children. We, we heard the words of Jesus about this yesterday. Pray, and, and we're reminded of Jesus instructing his followers to pray like this. Daddy God, who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The conversation starts with an awareness of who God is and who you are. An awareness of you being as God's child, it's a confident hope. There's humility and there's faith. It's a, it's a confident hope. Remember last week, Jesus telling the story, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So as God's children, we can pray things like, God, Father God, you are a loving God who gives good gifts to your children. And so as your child, I ask this. It's the way that we can pray. How do we ask God for the impossible? As God's children. Once upon a time in the city of Rome, and yet still today, an Italian church of believers, we're human just like you, they come into contact with the good news just like you, faced promises and challenges, had doubt, had question marks just like you, but they came to believe this truth. You received God's Spirit when He adopted you as, as His own children. It's talking about the salvation moment. And you're born again. Now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That means the Holy Spirit helps you feel it. Are you feeling it? There's an affirmation, a confidence, a confident hope, a childlike faith. The Holy Spirit helps you with that. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. He's talking about Jesus. What I believe is that a relationship with God builds faith, builds a confidence to enable us to ask for the impossible. What the reality is, is that we can look at this Christianity thing just like event attendance. I show up for the thing, and I'm glad that you're here. But if it's not about your relationship with God, it's not deepening and you're not building a confident hope. The faith isn't registering with you in the way that God desires it to, and that has an effect on you when you face the impossible. And it has an effect on you and the people that God has put in your life when they're facing the impossible. So how does God want us to approach Him when we ask for the impossible? As God's children. I see that this principle is true for Moses and for David. Moses is in a tough situation. Moses is in a situation where God said, I'm frustrated with y'all. You've hardened your hearts against me. You've disobeyed me. You've rejected with me. 
Go, go where I told you to go, and I'm not going with you. But Moses responded with a childlike faith. Can you think anything is impossible in your life? What about when God says no? God said no to Moses. God talked to, talked to Moses face to face, the Scripture says. But Moses had a childlike faith. He said to God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Moses prayed. God responded, I will indeed do what you asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Moses said, I've gotten to know you and having us go without being with us is not like you. Are you getting to know God in a way so that you can pray, God, this isn't like you. This is like you. That's what, that's what happens with Moses. David had the same experience, and David particularly throughout the Psalms and other places, when he talks to God with a childlike faith, he often refers to God's actions. He got to know God through God's actions. A couple selections from Psalm 9, he's referring to where God had said that there were invading peoples who God knew their hearts, that their hearts were set on wickedness and were not going to change. And so God said that for that reason, he was going to punish them. And that's what David refers to. He says, you have rebuked the nations, destroyed the wicked. You are a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And so have mercy on me. See how my enemies torment me. Save me. David doesn't stop short of being honest about the problems he's facing. You don't need to pretty it up when you talk to God. Hello? You don't need to pretty it up. You don't need to make it sound better than it is. God knows how it is. But if we're getting to know God, if we're getting to know God, we can start to pray based on that relationship. God, I know you're like this. I know you care about this. I know this is the way that you are. You're a good father. You're the one true source of love, hope, peace, and joy. And I've seen you do this, or other people have seen you do this. And so I ask that. That's the example that we see here of asking God to do the impossible. Friends, let's not learn the hard way. I've learned the hard way. I have suffered needlessly in my life. I've gone through months. I've gone through years of discouragement, depression, anger, frustration. Because I haven't learned this lesson. Don't do that. We can ask God for the impossible as God's children. You see an example of this. In Psalm 18, 1 through 50, David believed that God would protect him from those trying to kill him because God had protected him from a lion, a bear, and Goliath. We see those stories in 1 Samuel 17. David thought about what he had seen God do, and so he asked God for the miraculous for that reason. I prayed for healing in my own body, my broken and dislocated elbow at 16 and saw a miracle. And so I have greater faith to pray for healing miracles for others. How? How? As God's children. How? How do we ask God to do the impossible? As Jesus taught. Jesus taught us how to pray. Pray like this. Daddy God, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
The prayer of Jesus brings us into alignment with God. Alignment. You ever taken your car in because it wasn't steering the direction it's supposed to? That's a really weird feeling. You let go of the wheel and it goes, eh. <laughs> the car's not supposed to go that way. I gotta go get the alignment taken care of. But sometimes our life goes, eh. Sometimes our thoughts and our emotions, eh. We need alignment. What is alignment? Jesus taught us to pray. Abba Father, Daddy God in heaven, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. Jesus was kind of big on this thing, kingdom. He said, seek first the kingdom. Again, let's go back to the Italian church. What did they believe? The kingdom of God is a matter of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. And others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. He's saying the kingdom of God is about the real stuff. The real stuff. Where am I at in, 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 in me, in my guts, in the guts of my thinking and my feeling, right? Where am I at? And, and, and am I coming to a place of peace, alignment with God, that is noticeable by other people that causes them to show favor on me. And in our driving, it's not going to bring favor from someone else. Hello? I've got nasty attitudes and thoughts. It's, Welcome to the human club. But am I daily just saying, Holy Spirit, make new my thinking, make new my feelings? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, take the wheel. is like, God, I want to come into alignment with You. How do we ask God to do the impossible? Well, maybe the thing that is more impossible. Think about this. Jesus is asked about doing a healing miracle. He says, what is more difficult? That his sins be forgiven or that this man who cannot walk gets up and walk? What is more difficult is that the sins are forgiven. Am I coming into alignment? Am I receiving the forgiveness of God in a way where there's positive life change and I'm free from repeating the mistakes? See, this forgiveness thing, it's a, power, it's a part of the kingdom. It's a part of how that righteousness, peace, and joy comes about. The result of it we see from Jesus' simple teaching, love God with the best of your energy and love your neighbor in the same way that you take care of yourself. Sometimes the impossible prayer requests we have are right there. They're right there in my relationship with God and my relationship with my neighbors. Jesus talked about it as being a miraculous thing when someone is born again, when someone is made new spiritually. And He prayed about it. He said that you're asking God for it, saying the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them as you have loved me. That is a prayer. He's saying, Gee, God, the Father, would you bring people to a place of receiving you to new spiritual life so that. That's the prayer of Jesus for what would otherwise be impossible. It includes this. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's a, it's, the alignment comes when we receive that cleansing and that freedom. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. Jesus talking about when you come to church, when you show up for the event, 
make sure that you're forgiving people that have wronged you. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Jesus doesn't play around. He, Jesus teaches that forgiveness is conditional. Am I forgiving the people who've wronged me? That's a miracle. That takes a miracle. Anyone in here know what I'm talking about? When someone's really hurt you, it takes a miracle to forgive them. But Jesus invited us into that miracle to be a part of that miracle, to make a decision to participate in that miracle. That's a part of the alignment with the kingdom. That's a miracle that we know it is a prayer that God answers. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I know what are the prayers that God says He will answer. Thank you, Pastor Ben. That's good. How do we pray as Jesus taught? Well, that includes fasting. I know I'm cussing in church, right? Watch this. What else did Jesus do? What else did Jesus teach that we should pray? What miracles? Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He participated in the church event and he was out in the streets every day talking about it, right? Announcing the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, He had compassion on them. He felt a suffering with them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. He said to His disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into His fields. This summer, there's a couple more churches in Baltimore City that are closing their doors that I know about personally. There's probably several. There are laborers who have come into the harvest here that are leaving. And there are laborers that God is sending. And there are laborers who are waking up to the reality that they've been blessed by the good news of Jesus and so they can bless others with it too. When we want to pray for the impossible, one of the topics that Jesus teaches us, God answers, is praying that God would send laborers into the harvest couple more examples. James says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing miracles. And again, life change and forgiveness. Are you sensing a theme? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working and produces wonderful results. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. This is one that I pray for every day. And Lord knows that my school teachers would look at it as a a miracle. That I would have wisdom. How many of you feel like you could have more wisdom? Knowledge is facts that are registered in my brain that I can recite. Understanding is a sense of what those facts mean and how they can be applied. Wisdom is the ability to see the situation, how to apply that understanding to the knowledge. It's all throughout the Psalms. Wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is a prayer you can ask for, but when you ask Him, watch this now, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Well, Pastor James does not play. He does not play. 
God can do whatever He wants whenever He wants. God does miracles even for unbelievers. We have examples of that in Scripture. What Pastor James is saying to us is if I'm a Jesus follower, if I'm real about this, if I'm in this, if I'm feeling it because the Holy Spirit is helping me, but if I'm going to apply it and I'm going to actually do something about it, when I pray, I better make sure that I'm praying for a miracle that I'm relying on God alone. I'm not praying that my job would give me the paycheck. My job is the one who gives me the paycheck. God is the one who gave me the power to earn money. But when I ask for a miracle, I need to make sure that I'm relying on God alone. Watch this, Elijah. This is a trip. So many stories that are just a trip. Oh Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? Please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. There was a tragedy. A woman whose husband had died, who had an extra room, who would let Elijah stay when he was in town. Through Elijah, a promise had been given she would have a child. And several years later, the child died. God did a miracle and raised that child to life. God does miracles. God does miracles. God answers the unknown. The thing we don't have the answer to. So what about when it doesn't happen? What about that? What about when it doesn't happen? Let me give you a few thoughts today. Not my thoughts. Remember, Jesus understands and prays. Jesus understands and prays. Jesus was on the earth. He saw tragedy. He saw tragedy. He saw violence. He saw loss of life. He saw poverty. He saw difficulty. He saw illness. He lived life. He saw that. He saw people facing the impossible. I love this passage from Hebrews helping us understand this. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness. That includes our weakness, our struggle to pray for the impossible. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. Ask God for grace Believing when you haven't seen the impossible happen, Jesus understands. And the Bible says He prays for us. What do we do when it doesn't happen? Allow the Holy Spirit to check your motives. Let me go back to Pastor James. He's not playing. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. Whoa. Whoa. When I pray for a miracle, am I praying in alignment? In alignment with God. And this can be really difficult because we can get to a place where like, I, don't, I just don't believe it will happen. I don't believe it can happen. I've seen too much life. We get to a place in our struggles 
It's even hard for us to make a decision to choose to believe, to choose to put the prayer to words. It's very, very human to give up. It's also very, very human to pray what I want first. And then sometimes maybe we put the words right and we say, God, whatever you want. I want to encourage you. Don't pray that in a weak way. Remember, it's as God's children we pray in the face of what's impossible. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here's what I believe your kingdom is about. Here's what I believe your will is. God, would you do it? We can pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. With, think about Moses. God said what he was going to do, what he wasn't going to do. Moses said, God, I want you to do it anyway. Moses didn't sin in that situation. David didn't sin in that situation. Neither of them were innocent, by the way. Both of them were guilty of murder. They were human like us. They were human like us. So don't let God, according to your will, become something that is weak. Make a decision. I'm going to believe. Even when it doesn't happen, I'm going to believe that God can do it. I'm going to pray in alignment. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to check my motives. I believe it's possible to have an uplifting relationship with God and allow the Holy Spirit to check our motives. You can be encouraged. You can be uplifted. And let the Holy Spirit, not your neighbor, let the Holy Spirit check your motives. Hello? God gives grace to the humble. Come close to God and He will come close to you. Humble yourselves with the Lord and He will lift you up. See, this, what James said, you don't get it because you just ask for what pleases you, is not a condemnation. It's not a condemnation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to let the Lord shape your heart, shape your motives, and continue to pray for the impossible. What happens when it doesn't happen? Pray with persistence. Jesus talked about this quite a bit. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. He has this, this story about God as a judge and this, this widow who was denied justice. And in the conclusion, Jesus teaches this. Don't you think God will surely give justice to His chosen people who cry out to Him day and night? He's teaching them to pray with persistence. Don't give up praying. He will keep putting them... Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will grant them justice quickly. What do we do? When it doesn't happen, keep the faith regardless of the outcome. Check this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not defend ourselves before you. This king of Babylon had built a statue, told everybody in the nation to worship it. He said, if you don't worship it, I'm going to kill you. He built this big furnace. I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. This is their response to him. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. It's a decision. They made a, a decision of faith. It's a statement of fact. God can do it. Even if you throw us in there, God can save us. 
He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. We believe God can save us, and even if he doesn't, we believe. That's a childlike faith. That's a faith with that confident hope, the humility. God's not the genie of the lamp. Any of you ever try bossing your parents around or manipulating them? God is not our parent to manipulate or boss around. And immature Christianity is where we boss God around, where we treat God like the genie of the lamp. Sometimes in these stories, it kind of sounds like that's what they're doing. We can't hear the tone of their voice, the tone of the conversation. We don't know exactly what's going on. But these three, they made a clear statement. God can save us. We think, we think it's within his character of what he likes to do and the kind of thing that he has done to save us. But even if he doesn't save us, we're still not going to bow down to worship that gold statue out of faith in God. So, so what do we do? What do we do? These past few weeks have given you multiple scriptures to memorize about this simple truth. Memorize a scripture. Start with the short ones. Start with the simple ones. Memorize scripture about this topic, about the no way moment in our life. Memorize those scriptures. Say those scriptures out loud. Pray those scriptures. Say them to yourself. I said to myself, self, nothing is impossible with God. Memorize the scripture. Pray the scripture. Write what you believe to be true about asking God to do the impossible. You've got to put up a tent when you go camping. You've got to drive those stakes in the ground. What is it that's covering your faith? Do you have some stakes you've driven into the ground? Do you have some scripture, some truth that you've memorized, that you've, you've driven into the ground of your soul, that like this, this, this is true. I'm here for this. Memorize those scriptures. Write down the truth of what you believe about asking God to do the impossible. And what we've been saying for weeks now is list the impossible prayer topics you have. What is it? What is it in your life? A healing miracle? The salvation of a family member? Someone in your neighborhood? More jobs in Baltimore? No murder in Baltimore? What is it? What's the impossible thing? Let's not give up. Let's write it down. Remember, it's not about you or your emotions or how you feel if you even think it's possible. Do you think God can do the impossible? Remember, it's impossible. But do you agree that God can do the impossible? And then let's write down those prayer requests and make them specific. Because if you don't make the list specific, you won't know that it's God when it happens. Get specific with it. It's what, the inv- what God invites us to do. Get specific with your list. What are the impossible things you're asking God to do? Write it down. Put details in there. And then when stuff happens, 
celebrate and share the answers. Like the blind man that, we, that was healed that we read about last week. He didn't have all the answers of how exactly the miracle happened, but he didn't hold back. He was walking around telling people. Get ready to share the news when a miracle happens. Now let's close by putting this into practice. I want you to pause right now. I want you to think about one of the verses you memorized over the last couple weeks. Maybe it was Mary saying, nothing is impossible with God. I want you to think right now, what is the truth you believe about God? What is the truth you believe about God doing the impossible? It may help you to close your eyes. I want you to think about your list of impossible prayer topics. I want you to think about it right now. Your list of impossible prayer topics. What would a big miracle look like? I want you to get specific right now. Right now in your mind, I want you to get specific. What would a big miracle look like? Now, let's pray. Let's pray right now. And let's ask God to do miracles as God's children, as Jesus taught. I don't want you to just listen to me. I want you to pray. When I start praying, I want you to pray. I want you to get vocal. I want you to get specific. I want you to let faith rise within you. Regardless of what your emotions, regardless of how impossible the thing is, it's about who you trust in this moment. It's about who you trust. Do you rely on God to do the impossible? It's let's not focus on how impossible it is. Let's focus on God. God can do anything. We've been here for three weeks about it right now. I want you to think about that impossible thing. Let's take that truth that you have in your mind that from that verse, and I want you to apply the truth of that verse when you start to pray. Praying, God, this is what you're like. This is what you've done. Come on, let's go to God right now and let's pray for miracles. Abba Father who is in heaven, we praise you. We believe you are more powerful than any other. We believe you know exactly what's going on. We believe that there is nothing that is too hard for you. We believe that you have parted the Red Sea. We believe that you have wiped out enemies. We believe that you have brought about miracle births. We believe that you have brought about creative healing miracles, healing the blind eye. We believe that you've done a miracle of forgiving our sins. We believe that you've done a miracle of salvation, of of being born again. We believe that you have brought us to a place of being made clean, no longer needing to be punished for sin, and that heaven is our home. We believe that you have done the impossible. We believe that you like to do the impossible, that you like to to be asked to do the impossible. And so God, right now, we bring before you specific things that to us are impossible, that are beyond our strength, that are beyond our ability, that are beyond the combination of all human effort. We lift up to you right now, Lord, terminal illness diagnoses. 
We bring before you poverty. We bring before you injustice. We bring before you war. We bring before you murder and revenge and trauma and pain and discouragement and depression. We bring before you, Lord, conditions that are beyond repair. And we say, God, we believe that you can do anything. We believe. We believe. Lord, just like the followers of Jesus, we say we believe. Help us in our unbelief. And we come to you right now asking for specific miracles. Asking that you would show yourself strong. Help us to see you. Show yourself strong. Would you do the impossible? We come to you lifting up before you these impossible prayer requests saying, God, we believe that you can do it. You can speak life and it will come. You can raise the dead. You can heal the body. You can forgive sins. You can repair relationships. You can lead people on. You can shut the mouth of our enemy. You can bind our enemy and limit our enemy. We believe that you can bring complex systems into good working order for the good of all. We believe that you can bring about change that to us seems impossible. Societal change, governmental change, Uh, medical change, Lord, political change. We believe that there is change that is possible with you. And so God, right now, we get specific about it. We're going to mark it down today. We're going to write down today what it was that we asked for. And God, we are going to keep on praying. We are going to persist. We will not be like those who turned away. We will persist. We will keep on praying And it's not based on us, our energy, our efforts. It's based on You. Abba Father, You are the good God that Jesus described. The One who loves to give good gifts. We thank You for who You are. Anything good in our life has come from You. We thank You for who You are. For all that You have done. We thank You. You've given us an opportunity to get to know You. That we could pray, this is what You're like, God. And so would You do that. We thank You, God, that it's not dependent on us. We thank You, God, You brought us into relationship with You. You brought us into relationship with each other. That just as we've read and we've learned that we should lift up these prayer requests together. Together. We thank You for what You're doing and for what You have done. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen, Amen. I invite you today, please, write it down. Keep it somewhere where you can save it, where you can look at it. Be honest about what you're feeling and thinking. Have conversations with people in this room about these things. You've got to be honest about what you're thinking and feeling about this stuff to invite the Holy Spirit in, to lift you to lift you, to give you joy and peace and strength that's not possible by yourself. we got to be honest about it to go forward. Thank you so much for being here, for being a part of today. Your parents, please help us to get our kids from City Kids. It closed a little bit late today. As a reminder, next Sunday we will not be here at 10 a.m. We'll be downtown with several other churches, probably 400 people at the Gallery Church downtown for Pentecost Sunday. Let us know if you need a ride. We'll make sure that you get a ride there. So good to see you today. Again, we're going to set up some fellowship stuff at the playground across the street. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.